podcast that has no name yet. I am your host, Ricky Valero. On today's episode, I sit down with executive editor from Awards Watch and the managing editor from In Session Film, Mr. Ryan McQuaid. We sat down and talked about movies, what got him into movies. We talked about masterpieces. We talked about some of the best movies of this year. We also talked about some of the things he likes, like football, like Texas Longhorn football. There's a great conversation with a great friend in this space. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to another episode of, I don't know what I'm going to call this podcast yet, but um, I had hopped on Twitter a few weeks ago and said that I wanted to do a podcast with um, people from all over the place and just wanted to sit down and chat, get to know some of my friends or some of my acquaintances or some of the people that I argue with on a day-to-day basis on social media. And the first person that responded was Ryan, who likes to argue with me and tell me I'm wrong a lot. So I'm excited to, and like I said, this is just going to be a back and forth conversation. Um, It's crazy because Ryan and I um, planned on starting this like 30 minutes ago. We started about an hour ago and just shot the shit. I love talking to Ryan on the show, off the show. It doesn't matter. Um, We haven't done a lot of work together. Um, I think it's only like the second or third podcast we've ever done together. But my goal is to have somebody on and kind of get in their mind, kind of get get to know who they are. Um, what they like, what they don't like, how they got into what they're into, and uh, stuff like that. So, Ryan, how are you today, buddy? I'm doing wonderful. I've had a cup of coffee already, and as I told you, that's like the nectar of the gods in my house. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm hyped up. I'm ready to go. How do you take your coffee? Oh, I, I, I mean... That's a very personal question, but I'm sure you're going to get into a lot of personal questions here. Um, <laughs> I signed up for this, so why not? Uh, I like I like it with um, with half and half um, or milk, but I prefer half and half in a, in a little bit of, of, of sugar. It could be Splenda. It could be sweet and low. It could be sugar. I, I like it. I, I don't like it like overtly sweet. And but I'll take it black every now and then. Like, you know what I mean? But 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 I, I vary. I'm, I don't discriminate on my coffee as long as the caffeine is in, injected into my veins. Uh, I don't care. Really. But that's what that's drinker? my preferred method. Yeah. Have what? you always been a coffee drinker? I don't I don't mm, I didn't start drinking until I was probably about like. I don't know, in, in middle school, high school, but I didn't drink oh, regularly yeah. until like. Call until like late until late high school, early college. Yeah, and see, then now it's coffee. now it's like I'm I'm all yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah, I have to go every day, every day. It's, gotta, it's once a, you a, buy a frother, <laughs> I think when you buy a frother, you've invested. got a fucking problem. Yeah, I've saw I've bought I've I've bought so many different coffee things that my wife has has begun to really want to throw me <laughs> off. She's like, you <laughs> cannot have all of these on the counter. It's like, yeah. but the thing about it is, I've tried to replicate some of the coffee that you get out in into the into the real world, and I can never do it. So it's like really frustrating. Um, oh, yeah. I'm more of a cold coffee guy than I am a hot coffee guy. Um, I'll do both. Yeah, that's nuts. This was my first hot cup of coffee in like two months because I started drinking cold coffee because it's hot as balls down here in Texas. <laughs> and so I, I like to switch it up, but like I'll do it both. It doesn't matter to me. So one of the things that I, I'm always fascinated in talking with people that I have on my shows and stuff like that is understanding kind of what made you get into film. Like, what was that? Was there a certain movie that you saw that really kind of really brought that to your attention? I've watched movies since I was like a kid and I've watched movies way too early than I probably ever should. Like certain films, like I remember seeing like The Godfather when I was like eight. Goodfellas when I was like nine and they weren't on TV. They were like the actual cuts of those things. I I grew up watching a lot of my dad would watch a lot of Westerns and my mom would uh, make me watch a lot of musicals that I ended up really loving. And then like my grandparents would take me to just about anything during the summer that I said I wanted to within a certain age range. And then like I started really getting, I think it was watching the the oscars in like the late 90s early 2000s because i remember the year that um a beautiful mind won and i remember all these that was like the year where it sort of bing hit in my head like all these all these 
really like prestigious movies are getting awarded some that are good nowadays that I remember and some that are bad. And so then I started seeing movies in theaters that I don't know that I always just felt more. Um, I don't want to say advanced cause that makes me sound like an asshole, but uh, it was just, it was like, I wasn't seeing the normal like animated movies when I was a kid. And then as I started getting older, I started to like appreciate certain things. And I think 2007, from our generation, Ricky, it's like the year that, you know, the lights went on in Georgia and not the lights went out in Georgia, but it went on in, in, in our heads for because like that year there were just banger after banger after banger. And I just remember three movies uh, or three experiences at the theater that year that I was just like, okay, this is, this is what it's all about. So my mom took me out of school early, um, which thanks mom. And uh, really, just like education really was, uh, it was, it was important in the house, but not that week. Um, and we went and saw Michael Clayton. Mm. And then she was like, we're going to see another one. And we saw the assassination of Jesse James by the coward, Robert Ford. So we saw that as a double feature one night. And uh, our meal consisted of popcorn and a hot dog there. And it was like, this is the worst thing you could do for like to eat at all at this time period. But it was like, it was the best. And then a couple months later, she took me to there will be blood when I left. She, she pulled me out of school again. I don't recommend it kids. Um, but if it's going to be for masterpieces, why not? And I just remember her sitting there with me in the last 15 minutes of that film. And I was dying of laughter. I still laugh at that movie way too much, especially the end. And she looked at me like I was like a psycho. And then and then like two weeks later, uh, No Country for Old Men came out. And um, I went with my cousin, who is sadly no longer with us. And I just remember watching that film. And it those four films that year was just, it was like, wow, I love cinema. How am I going to be able to be a part of this one way or another? So that's the long way of saying uh, I like movies. It's funny. So you brought up There Will Be Blood and we've had this conversation before where there, I remember watching There Will Be Blood uh, that time frame, whenever it was 2007, that era, I, it might've been around that same time frame. And I was like, I watched it and I was like, this is boring. And mm. I was like, this sucks. This is not good. And this better be a turn. There better be a button there. So there is, I promise. Okay. Um, so a few years ago, I had mentioned, I don't remember it. You know, you're when you're in like 75 different Twitter movie film group things, you get lost in which one's which. And then, yeah. of course, it results into text message groups as well. But somebody's like, you need to rewatch it. And this is the type of film I rewatched. And I was like, dude, you're an idiot. Like 2007, eight, Ricky, you're you're a moron. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's going to be my follow up question to you. Is there a film that you watched as a kid and you were like, this is either a great or be bad and you watch it back now you watched it recently or within the last couple of years and you're like wow i was wrong one way or another yeah wow that's fuck that's a good question um of course i'm gonna say that a lot because ricky's a great interviewer so i knew, I knew what i was getting myself into today um yeah weirdly enough it's actually not that one from like the childhood but it's one um when I was asked by my friend, I think your friend of your show, um, Kevin Jacobson, when I asked, when I, Kevin asked me to come on his show and the runner up is to talk about uh, the grapes of wrath. And I remember I, I fucking despise that movie because when you're down here in Texas uh, and you're in English class in your jun junior year of high school and the summer book is the grapes of wrath. And they spent the first nine weeks of your school year talking only about the grapes of wrath. By the time they get to the movie, you're like, fuck <laughs> this whole thing in the fucking face. And so I was like, no, I'm done. I thought like it didn't even, it couldn't even like, uh, cause the Bruce Springsteen has an album called the ghost of Tom Joad. And even my, <laughs> my teacher, who was a great guy tried to even like, spice up with some of that i was like get this fucking shit out of my face like get get i was like I, i'm done with this book and this dirt and all this shit 
And then I watched the film for Kevin's show and I was just like, wow, get me out of that context. This movie is fucking great. And I loved it. And I was crying by the end. And also it didn't help that we were in isolation and it felt like a very isolated movie. And it felt like a very much a movie like about despair and hopelessness uh, in a, in a, in a time of, of going out West. And it's, it's all about optimism at first. And then it slowly turns into despair and pessimism. And so, yeah, I just really, that's the first one I can think of. I will say that right now I'm embarking on a new adventure over at extra film, yeah. which is the, which is uh, over at uh, in session film.com. And it's the podcast I do that we do movie series and usually the director movie series. And right now we're doing one on James Cameron. And if anyone knows anything about me, I do not like that man. Um, and I don't like his movies, but I recently rewatched the Terminator and I was uh, the first one. And I was like, damn, this is actually really good. So I'm hoping in this series that well, I'm not, ho- I'm never going to like this man. So let's just put that out there, <laughs> but um, I'm hoping to maybe have a different appreciation for his films. Uh, and I think that that's, you've always got to be able to evolve and yep. grow and rewatch and I and I think that that's great that you did that Ricky and I would wish more people would do that because you get so caught up in your stances that you don't want to see that maybe you were at a bad place or um you know you didn't fully understand it or it's a, you know just a different a different viewing changes it time separated away from a movie um, I think that that, I think that that's, that's key. And, and, you know, I, I would hope more people would do it. And because like, I, I usually tend to say, I don't hate movies. It's that sort of line from the last black man in San Francisco. You can't love something until you hate it. And, but in my version of it is like, no, I could never hate something that I love, which are movies. And so I just dislike something or I just, you know, I'll find an eloquent way of saying that it's bad, but it doesn't mean that I hate it because also too, like, you know, if there's a movie that everybody seems to love and I just don't like, you're never going to hear me say I hate it because there's so many people that went into working on that film to make it what it was to make it the trash that it is, you know, <laughs> and uh, that, you know, it's not fair because the whole thing didn't work. There are elements that I like, but you know, my work, the worst film I saw this year is men. And I, and I don't like that movie. I almost said hate, but I, I don't like that movie. I don't hate it though, because there's still something, there's a couple of things in there that I'm thinking about, or, you know, I'm like, how the hell did they pull that off? But then that's after the fact during the time I was like, this is miserable. So, you know, evolution and also appreciation is, is key in this game. Yeah. I think, I think for me, that's one thing that I've, I've grown to, I try to get better at about using the word hate. And, and it's something that I still struggle with because there is, you can just use it at me. It's fine. Well, I know, you know, I've seen, I've seen some rough (laughs) movies this year that really, but that's the thing that you're right. Like it's, it's the evolution. It's kind of something that I've tried to grow upon myself. Even whenever I go see a movie, um, more recently, like Ad Astra, I, I hated it when I first saw it. And then I watched it again. And I actually really enjoyed it the second time. Like I didn't, I didn't think it was like a, 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 as great as some people said, but for me, um, I'm also very, you know, everybody knows this about me that I love Damien Chazelle. Like he's just, I worship the ground that man works, walks on. You know what I mean? I, I think that he's mm-hmm. had three certified bangers in theaters. So um ryan please we're being nice to each other on this episode yeah we're gonna be nice today he's but, got two two out of three two out of okay, three okay i'll take that what's your yeah. what's the two out of three well it's whiplash and first man like law lands not good but okay well yeah one. you're wrong yeah. but it's okay yeah. it's no right. i'm but, no but, i'm right i'm right and the academy was right so thank you very much were they they snubbed first man so were they really right no they were right when they gave moonlight over uh over oh, I, didn't, I didn't mind that but he went directly yeah. so i was happy 
But, well, he should so, have. But well, okay. mm, it's okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's okay to be wrong. Yeah. You know. But speaking yeah. of which, this yeah. is something that I wanted to bring up because in this space, and it's even when it comes to film like that, and you brought it up, but it's it's for me, it's I remember being a kid watching the Oscars. Um, the first Oscars I remember watching is Chicago winning Best Picture. And I was excited. Yeah. I love Chicago. Did you love see it in theaters Chicago. too? No, I did not see. No, I, I saw it in that. theaters. Um, my, 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 my parents took me to that. And they uh, shouldn't, I, they I, shouldn't I, have, but they did. <laughs> I love because I, I didn't shut the fuck up. And I was like, can I see Chicago? And they were like, fine, fucker. You know what Let's I mean? Go. Like, you can go. Yeah. I the only one I didn't so get for, to see the Gaines of New York. That was the only one I didn't see. Of the, that lineup, I saw them all, and I was like, "I love DiCaprio." Gosh. Um. Anyway, sorry. So with that, there's. I remember early on, every year I'd watch the Oscars, and and of course, you know, I was young, and I didn't I, before I had a website or was writing. I would still at home check all the boxes. I'd watch every Oscar film, and then I would be like, "Well, why are these nominated? Because these movies suck." I mean, we've all been there in that realm it still happens year in year out coda um but with that being said you have movies that you love at what point did you realize that there's a separation of the movies that we love and understanding the movies that you feel are understand are going to be predicted right you know what i mean we have a lot of people in this space that are like spider-man no way home deserved best picture and it should have <laughs> and we're going to beat it to the ground until it, it should have happened and then it doesn't happen at what point in time did you realize what you want to happen and what's going to happen with the Academy kind of changed the course of how you're going to predict films at the Oscars? That's good. Um, Cause like you said, like most people still haven't figured that shit out, um, which is why they're, I'm going to say it. That's why their opinions suck um, because that's what they are. Their opinions. They're not, you know, I think working with, you know, Eric Anderson and Clayton Davis and, you know, people that know this industry, you know, because they've been in it so long and working with them and understanding that there's a difference between the personal and the prep and, 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 and what will actually happen or what is more likely to happen rather than your, your fantasies, your dreams. And, and, you know, when you start looking down your top, whatever movies of the year and you start realizing that they don't match up with the Academy, you realize that this is a, this is a subjective thing. Like what is the best film of the year? Well, it is what you think the best film of the year is. So this is what the Academy, a large voting body that is swayed by um, everything (laughs) Um, that that they're easily able to fall in love with something. And I think over the last couple of years, uh, when um, with the elimination of somebody like Harvey Weinstein in it, I think that there's still been a little bit, I mean, they're still campaigning, obviously, but I think the films have gotten better. I think the the discourse around it, at least from the industry side, has gotten better. It's not this whole, like, we're going to fight you to the death to win a, you know, best, costume design, you know, or some bullshit like that. Um, but I think on, on, I think that the, the discourse has run away from the industry to online and the industry is online and they see this stuff and I don't think they give a shit like, and they're going to nominate what they like. They're going to award what they award. And I know people got upset with Coda. Um, I know people got upset with green book. Um, but also too, like if a, Co- which code is not a bad movie i don't think and green book is not a terrible movie they're just bad best picture winners there's a difference between that like having the stain of best picture on you you carry a legacy which is that is the best film of your year fairly or unfairly that is that is what it is so when you have movies like spotlight and moonlight and for some people the shape of water and nomad land parasite you have all these movies that people consider their number ones of the year and those others are not on there like others then you start seeing okay well maybe that there is sort of a little bit of like like you said like is there subjective takes is that is it riding a wave 
And for me, I just think of working with those people, see, and also just opening your fucking eyes and realizing that you're not always going to get what you want. Because if this, if the Oscars were the, the Ricky Valero show, then we would know what you're going to do. If they were the Ryan McQuaid show, then I would have control over who gets all those Oscars, right? Half those nominees would not get nominated. But if you put us two in a room together and we had to start compromising or we had put all of our votes together and everything, and we have to start stacking up what our similarities are, what this is, then we might have some crossover. Those crossovers are going to dominate what gets nominated as opposed to the outliers. And then you, we add four more people and we had 10 more. Then we had a thousand. Then we had 2000. And so, yes, they are very susceptible to whatever, like the last thing that's all in their mind, like a rat in a cage. They're just going to be like, yes, I will. I will give me, don't look up. You know what I mean? Or give me something, you know, terrible um, or whatever. Like I will nominate that. But I think you have to be able to, like, we've been talking about this, like, usually there's one movie from the first half of the year that represents the first half of the year. Is it stupid? You bet your goddamn ass it is. Will it be, you know, for this year, for an example, will it be everything everywhere all at once? Will it be Elvis? Will it be Top Gun Maverick? Will it be the Batman? Will it be, you know, Cha-Cha Roll Smooth? What will it be? I don't know. It might not be any of them. And you know what? The sooner people started to realize that, I think it would be better for them because, you know, this past week I just saw (laughs) there was some news about the whale and whether or not it was going to get released in 2022 or 2023. And um, a great friend of mine, Will Mavity, he tweeted out an observation. It was an observation. And he didn't mean for it to go viral. And he said, maybe it's not going to come out this year. Maybe. People took it as then it's not coming out this year. And I would like people to remember that, yes, I know the education system in America is not the best in the world, but we still have comprehensive reading skills. And if you and, and I know this sounds mean, but it's just the truth. And sometimes you got to hear it and you got to read things. You got to see what everyone's talking about. And you've got to, I think, also under predict what you hope is going to happen in your predictions. And if you can do that, you're going to be really good at this job. You're going to be really good in this space. But if you are hope predicting, you are a going to do two things. One, you're going to delegitimize yourself. And two, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to get depressed really quick. So accept that your things aren't going to get nominated and kind of just, you know, be better in that space. Because like, that's the only way that you're going to like, that's why a thing is called a snub or whatever, I guess you could say is because, you know, it's a snub. What a snub to you though is, is different than a snub to me, but then there's universal snubs. So I don't know. I think I've just learned it over the last five or six years doing this and really even more intensely than before that. You know what I mean? It's that it's not going to happen sometimes. And also weirdly, it's just kind of ingrained in you too. So if you're actually doing this correctly, you'll know that disappointment's part of the game. Speaking of delegitimizing some of yourself or anything like that, when I read a Ryan McQuaid review, I know oh that I'm getting Ryan McQuaid's thoughts, right? You know, Holy I mean? shit. I, when you love something, you love something. When you don't like something, you don't like something. I genuinely believe when I read your content, I, I feel like you're that kind of person that's just blunt. We've talked about that off the air a little bit, how you're a very honest person. So, and there's a lot of people in this space. When I read the reviews, I know what I'm getting from them. But my big problem, I think, in this space is, is the rush to give everything five stars, right? A lot of people give them <laughs> out like candy. So, and in, in when it comes to reading stuff, it takes away from... In my opinion, uh, and that's it'll, it'll, I'll form this into a question in a second, but in my opinion, that's it takes funny. away from that critic when I see, if you see 50 films and 40 of them have four stars or more, and maybe 10 of them have five stars, I start to question your critic process. My question to you is, how do you define a masterpiece? A masterpiece is not released within the year that it is released. 
masterpiece takes time. Now, you want to get into the, the clickbaitiness of the world or something that you think is a masterpiece, you might put it in your article or your headline, you know what I mean, to get the clicks or whatnot. Um, but genuinely speaking, a masterpiece does not exist until you see it twice. And you see it in two different settings, in my opinion. You see it on the big screen and you see it at home. Because if a movie plays well with an audience, it's also got to play well with just yourself at home, lights turned off, and whatever you're eating for dinner. You know? And so I don't give everything five stars on Letterboxd within the given year. Like, I think since I started, because the problem was in 2018, I did exactly that. I, I started out writing. And I was giving things five stars and I realized by the end of the year, I had like 11, <laughs> I had 11, 10 star or five star reviews on Letterboxd. And I went bullshit, Ryan, like in my own self-conscious, I was like, bullshit. You don't, you did not see 11, five star, perfect films that year. You got to take at least one of those out of there. At least so then you can justify yourself that you had at least 10. So then it's your top 10. That's fair. But then I made a rule for myself that at that point, that if you're going to give something five stars, you need to see it twice. And then you need to wait a full year, come back to it and see if it sticks. And if it does, because then you can have it on a top 10 of the decade. Or you can say it's one of your favorite films of all time. I get really worried about now. The only things I do get five star reviews are to classic films. I see something for the first time, like Powell and Pressburger's The Red Shoes. And I saw that a couple of years ago, or when you see Sunset Boulevard, or when you see Lawrence of Arabia, and you see these movies and you're like, oh yeah, that's that's a five star movie. You know what I mean? But like, you know, you go fucking see. Like my favorite film of the year right now is After Yang. And I love that movie. But I didn't give it five stars. I gave it an A, but I told Eric this. You'll never see an A plus from me. And we can give A pluses over at Awards Watch. Some people gave A pluses this year and they're more than welcome to do it. I wouldn't recommend it because you got to live on that A plus. And it's very hard because like if you waver a little bit in your in your mind uh, about it, then you're going to end up not giving, then you're going to, it's going to go down and, and then you're going to regret giving an A plus. And plus that, that A plus, if it lives online and it lives in, um, it, it lives on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, uh, it's, it's a very hard thing to live on in my, in my consciousness. So, but I, 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 you know, I worry about the fact more than five-star reviews and giving it out. So many people do because I know those people do it and it's, Quite frankly, it's just like, okay, good for you. You know, you you don't have the restraint that I have and all to you, all the power. My thing is, is that people don't see enough films from the past and that online is turned into basically the film curation of Netflix, where we only want to talk about movies from the last 20 years, even if that, and that classic films don't exist. And people always ask me, oh, Ryan, why do you spend like hundreds of dollars in the Criterion Collection? It's to learn. Seeing classic cinema, those five-star movies, they're very important for you to build what you see now, where the influences came from. Because in 20 years from now, the films that we're seeing here, they're going to be influential on the next directors. You know what I mean? But like a Barry Jenkins, uh, Agnes Varda, and Claire Denis, um, and Wong Kar Wai are people that influenced what many would say their favorite director working today. So why wouldn't you want to go and explore their films? Like Jordan Peele is a big fan of John Carpenter. Why wouldn't you want to go and explore that fantastic filmography? You know what I mean? And you go down the line. And so, you know, five-star reviews in a given year, that's, that's not my jam. I can't do it. I can't justify it anymore within my soul to do that. But like, man, if, if, if you gave me a classic movie, like right now, and I watched it, it's most likely that will be a five-star movie than, than anything else, because it already has prestige. It already has that. And then, but that doesn't guarantee all classic films are going to get five stars either. 
I just want to put that out there because some some are some are they got prestige, but you're just like mm, that's a little that was a little suspect, don't you think? So you know, not everything's perfect, but it's also like we said earlier, it is subjective. But I do worry about like when you see an average rating and you see on Letterbox or you see somebody's Rotten Tomatoes and everything's like fucking perfect. Hey, 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 them hey, humps, hey, them humps are more so on the front than they are in the middle, and then you know, right? On, on like when Letterboxd. you when. Well, when you call everything a masterpiece, you're diluting the word. Yeah. Agreed. When you, when, when you say something's perfect, you're diluting the word. Mm-hmm. So. Do you have personal masterpieces versus masterpieces? So, and I'll, and I'll give you an example and I'll give you a more recent example um, okay. for me. Uh, sometimes a film resonates with me a little on a personal level and bring me back to a certain time in my life and and elvis is that movie and i know we're on two polar opposite sides of that film boy but for me and that's and that but that's but hey but hey i will say this i don't like that film i respect that you that people love it it's their thing it's not for me but i'm never gonna never like ricky you and i we've gone back and forth on it i never am gonna be like well, you're a moron for liking Elvis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, no, no, no that's yeah. just that's you no. do that, you lose also credibility doing for, that. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And and for me, what Elvis gave me, and I and I wrote about this in my review, what Elvis gave me was more, and what Baz, I think, personally gave me was the film that I wanted because it brought me back to my childhood. You know, I listened to Elvis because my dad would, you know, all the music I ever listened to and still currently was influenced by what my dad listened to. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. when I was a kid, we would go on road trips and it was the 60s, 70s and 80s music. And I think it speaks to kind of what you said there, because when I look at somebody's like top favorite, top 20 films of, of all time, right? You know what I mean? Like if your top 20 films of all time only came out in the last decade or last 20 years, then I really like it for me, it puts you in a box. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like it does. And, and I, I agree with you when it comes to certain films, um, like a more, another more recent film that I gave, uh, like speaking of mass mass last year, speaking of mass, mm-hmm. I watched mass at Sundance. I watched it. I didn't, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. I watched it again, 24 hours later. Cause apparently I love pain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I watched it again, 24 hours. I liked it a little bit better, but then I fast forward. I think it was like eight months. And then I watched it. I sat down and watched it. And I was like, holy shit, this is, this is incredible. Like I love yeah. this film and it's mm-hmm. a lot better than I had remembered. It was the, there was a lot of different aspects of the film. I didn't love the ending scene. The first time I watched it, I watched it back and I was like, holy shit, that ending scene was brilliant. And, and then whenever I spoke to Fran about it, I was like, oh shit. Like it makes so like the layers of the film kind of, you unpack a little bit more. So like, that's one thing I've tried to get better at is what you said is, I think I only gave like four things, five stars last year. I don't even remember if I, it was that many, but like, I, I watch it. You're right. The different elements of watching it, because when you're in festival mode, this is the big thing for me. Like yes. I've learned festival brain and festival mm-hmm. reviews are are insane because like if you're in a first in person a lot different like i experienced in person festivals last year between um nashville film festival and afi you're watching four films back to back to back to back and it's like man that was incredible and then like you got to turn your brain off and watch the next film well that wasn't very good and then but then after you watch it again when we'll get it in the mail or we'll go watch it because it came out in, in theatrically or whatever that have you and you're like oh man that was a lot better than i thought but it's like you're so stuck in watching 90 films in like five days it's like man i i love that movie or you come out of it loving it more or liking it more you know what i mean like it's yeah. either way and it's crazy because i just i appreciate people that are honest like if you come out if you're one of the first wave of critics seeing something and you say it's bad, I got respect for you because, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying don't say it just, be, just because you're saying it. Don't no, it's because you're being, honest. Right. you're being honest, right? Yeah. Because it's, we all know those first wave of Thor reviews is like, Oh, it's the greatest Marvel movie. It's always the first wave of people. It's the greatest of whatever it is 
of the whatever it is of whatever it is. You know what I mean? Don't yeah. get me wrong. I like Thor. I know you like Thor as well. I enjoy Thor. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I mean, like, see, they would never invite me to a Marvel premiere um, because the fact that, like, if I don't like it, I'm just going to tell you flat out. I'm not going right. to like it. Like, yeah. you, you, you brought me out here. You, you're going to get, you're going to get what you get. Yeah. Um, I don't care if you I don't care if you me. wine and dine me in 69. Yeah, like, man. It's, it's... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like you could you could you could take me halfway across the world or whatever and whatnot. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I'm going yeah. to give you my take. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's just the truth. And I think that if you're doing this for the access and if you're doing it, because like look, I've worked I've worked real hard. I believe to get where I'm at. Um, I still sometimes wonder if I'm any good at it, but you know, that's, that's just my thing. Um, but when I, when I get stuff or, or I'm very gracious about it, but I also still, am like, I'm not going to compromise myself to the point where, you know, I'm not going to give you an honest opinion or an honest take on it. So, but yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you, you know, it, it is, it is, um, for a personal masterpiece right because you asked you were sort of trying to ask that yeah um you know weirdly enough (laughs) this was one that was reaffirmed uh when we were doing we did a wachowski movie series of red extra film last year when i watched rewatch speed racer i sat there and i went holy shit like I remember really liking it when I was in the theater and I saw it in IMAX and it was incredible. I was like one of five people that went and saw that movie. <laughs> and I was like, why is everyone hating on this? It's really good. And then I watched it at home. And I was like, fuck, this is still really good. Like, why aren't we, why isn't this like on a 4k? Why aren't we like talking about it more and everything? So there's like something like that. And then uh, then there's something like Phantom Thread, which is like a movie that, like, I love Paul Thomas Anderson, and I don't give a shit. Who knows? Um, and uh, I watched that movie so many times because it's like, it's. I feel like that movie is like of an era that doesn't exist anymore. It feels like something out of classic Hollywood mixed with today's sensibilities, and you know, there's just something about the elegance of all the costumes but then like the way that pta uh, films food in the movie too it's 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 really just well done plus you ever been in a long-term relationship that movie just is uh as dead accurate about um picking sides and battles and um who has to be right who has to be wrong. power dynamics every relationship is a power dynamic and uh, it's also wickedly funny so weirdly enough <laughs> that's been like a comfort film over the last couple of years is to watch that. And um, I actually was texting um, Sophia Simonello, who's a writer over at awards watch and has her show uh, Oscar Wilde. I was texting her the other night. I was like, man, I, I haven't seen that movie in six months. And she goes, yeah. And that's one of her favorite movies too. And, and she was just like, yeah, I haven't seen it either. And I said, well, I know what I'm doing very, very soon. It's going to pop that 4k on for it and, and watch it. Um, because it's just like the score and, and like I, I put on the score for Phantom Thread when I'm cooking, especially when I'm doing mushrooms. So you know what I mean, like um, not like the drug mushrooms, but when I'm making <laughs> mushrooms, I just want to clarify that for the audience out there because they're gonna think like he's fucking high on mushrooms, man, listening <laughs> to Phantom Thread. Oh, that's great. So um, I. I've got I've got some fun stuff coming up in this show here. This some of the, the more no, this is fun. I love uh, this too. So. Um, so obviously everybody that knows Ricky also knows my love for the Fast franchise. Um, I love the Fast and the Furious franchise, and it's it's my favorite. Um, everybody mm. always whenever when it, it's funny because whenever I say something bad about a movie, they automatically look at my profile picture and oh, you're a fast, you know, you're a Vin Diesel fan. So what what the hell do you know? I've never uh, been on record to say that these are the greatest movies ever made. Like they're not, it's, it's my trash. What is your trash? Oh shit. That's good. That's a good question. Um, 
my trash. I mean, it's like individual movies, I guess. Um, I don't have like a trash. You don't have a franchise. trash franchise like I do. Just, just a trash director. Movie. Just like maybe like yeah. a kind of like a trash director count. Yeah. I like Guy Ritchie movies a lot. And I know people don't like those, yeah. but there's something like weirdly like some of them are just bad. <laughs> talk about like they'll be culturally canceled or whatever, but like uh, even something like the gentleman, there are like things in that movie people had problems with. I'm like, I don't know. It's really entertaining and really fun. And I love um, rock and roll. Oh my God. Talk it's about so like fun. a movie I've been wanting a sequel to for years was rock and roll yeah, and um, i love the the gentleman and i and i liked wrath of wrath of man recently and sherlock holmes and those two films i thought were really fun and so like somebody like that like people are like oh you like all these auteurs and i'm like yeah but i also like guy Ritchie, who's just like fuck it i'm gonna make something fun and stupid you know and i like the fast franchise like i i, I like the like you know i know that they some people feel like they've gone redundant but they're like just big dumb fun. Like I like big dumb fun too. Yeah. Like um, they're you know they're easy to review in my. Opinion. They're very easy. To, yeah, <laughs> I ra- I rather I rather something like the Fast franchise or Mission Impossible or John Wick. You know something like that that feels like they're going to try to push their medium more than the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I agree with that. I do. I uh, I agree with that one hundred percent. They're good movies, and I get. And I think I lost you here. Yeah. Television shows and everything and all this shit. Oh, do you, do you hear, can you hear me? I can't. Can you hear me? Yeah. You're still good? Yeah, we're good. Okay. All right. All right. Um, but yeah, no, I just, um, uh, yeah, like it's, I, that would probably be my trash thing or something that I, you know, and then it's one offs like, serenity that came out a couple of years ago with mcconaughey like that movie that is movie. bullshit but that but that it. movie is also great like you know it's so a weird much. film to put on or i have this one this is an oldie but a, i think a, a weirdly goodie is i like wild wild west oh, and yeah. i know people like fucking despise them even will smith i'm like i don't know man i think you made a, mo- a good movie there yeah, I think you made just as good of a movie there as you did with uh, Men in Black. And people go, "What?" And I say that I go, "Oh, that's crazy." And I'm like, well, "You know, I mean, it's a product of its time, but it, it's it's they're pretty they're dumb fun." You know, I, mean? I still want the 21 Jump Street Men in Black crossover. I would love for that to ever like they need to make yeah, it. that was supposed yeah. to be a thing. That was supposed to be a thing. Yeah, and then and we got it. Men in Black International, whatever the fuck that was, and that was stupid. So yeah. So now time to get to the fun stuff that I wanted to talk about, especially in the world of sports. I know you're a big sports guy. Um, All right. So right. Are, you're a Texans guy, right? Houston Texans? Is that? No. Cowboys? No. Yes. Cowboys. Oh, that yes. makes it worse. All right. Well, I'm going to skip past that. I hate the Cowboys. <laughs> my, dad's a big, my dad's a big Cowboys fan. And I. Uh, Your dad's so, correct. Well, hmm. Well, my dad is from yeah. San Antonio, so there's a lot going on. There you go. Wrong. There you so, go. There um, you go. Well, I mean, <laughs> Cowboys. Okay. Um, you got me there. <laughs> I can't defend that one. No, can't um, defend it. Cowboys fan, whole life. Um, Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, any optimism for the season coming up? Yeah. Fuck no. I love how you said that. You're just like, fuck no. Lazy. I'm a lazy footballer now. Like, all I watch is NFL yeah. Red Zone. So it's bad. Like, it's- <laughs> oh, so you're watching everything. Like, you're yeah. seeing every game as they're yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah. I can't watch. Like, when I watch one game, it's like the world comes down. I'm like, why am, Why is this so slow? I can only um, handle I can only handle one game because I'll get fucking frustrated. I will. Yeah. I will. You know, I get frustrated you, with my team. Are you an angry fan? Like, are you an like you Are you like an oh. angry watcher? Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> depends on depends on which game I'm watching. I mean, like with the Cowboys, when they, I mean, I played football when I was in high school. So when you do dumb shit, I get angry with it. Like it's yeah. dumb. I'm like, I'll get, I'll getting, I'll get a little frustrated with it. It's much worse when I'm watching the Longhorns. Because yeah, I, that was going to be my segue. There is, yeah. is, is. I know you are a huge Texas Longhorns fan. It's been a. Mother. 
It's Fuck been her. a lot of years of, of nope. the big news, though. The big news. You've mm-hmm. got Manning coming to town. I got Arch. Yeah, that's I thought that was huge. That was a massive pickup. I mean, to get Arch and then subsequently nine recruits after his announcement. So 10 new recruits. That's pretty good. I don't know about you, but that's pretty good. Um, I'm optimistic about them this year. I mean, it doesn't help that like the second game of the year, Alabama comes to town and we have to face them. But um, I, I. I have, there's no more joyous experience I've ever had in my life than like how I became a sports fan were from two places. One was, was Daryl K Texas, uh, Daryl K Royal Texas Memorial stadium, which is a mouthful uh, where the Longhorns play and um, the Alamo dome slash AT&T center where the Spurs have played. And I remember as a kid, the band would march on the field and my dad had to pull me back by my shorts because I was I had my head under the tunnel watching the band come onto the field to march. And then they make the the big T on the field for the UT and everything. And they're playing, you know, Texas fight, the eyes of Texas and everything. And it's just like a I got we went up to the spring game. We, we, you know, we saw how, and that was shit spring game. God damn it. Fucking Sark. Um, but, um, you know, I, I've been with a, through the highs and lows. Like, I mean, I never miss a game and that says something like last year I was at Middleburg and in between screenings, I went to the bar <laughs> to watch us lose to Oklahoma state. Um, like I'm sitting there going back and forth and people were like, are you nuts? I'm like, nope. Um, I was on my I was on my um my honeymoon in Mexico and I made them at the bar in Mexico chase into the cowboy game. On the night I'm celebrating my and I'm like, I'm obsessed. There's no question about it. And you know what? Fair. But I but there's there's um just it's something I've always loved. And the and yeah, it's been kind of like 10 years of, of a roller coaster, like the the end of Max era was a little bit bumpy and then Charlie Strong sucked ass and I like Terman. I mean, you win 75% of your games or whatever it was like, you're good in my book. Cause then that means I'm winning bowl games and going to things and not getting disappointed and everything. And I think there was a lot of stuff behind the scenes that that cost that to happen. Um, and then he lost some big recruits too. So I, I get that. Um, and I know Sark had a bad year last year. He went like five and seven. And, you know, that's kind of a product of not picking what fucking coach you want and then him coming in late because he's winning a national championship with Bama and he's not recruiting and you're stuck with what you have and you don't have two, three deep on the lineup. And so guys get hurt literally during Red River. People got hurt. And at that point is when it all went down. I mean, like Casey Thompson, the quarterback, his hand if you go and find the pictures, it looked like a catcher's mitt and it's because his hand had been broken and he played all season like that. And he can't throw a ball to save his life. Couldn't grip it. So when we lost to Kansas last year, I was like, yeah, sure. Like, could, let it, let it get worse before it gets better. And then, you know, I thought, I mean, he brought in like, he's bringing in 40 new guys. Yeah. He's bringing in Quinn Ewers, who was just the guy that Herman couldn't get that went to Ohio State. Then he goes and gets Arch. Then he gets 10 new guys. They got the number one recruiting class for 2023. It's looking promising. And then they're about to go to the SEC, which scares the shit out of me, but it is what it is. And, I mean, what's so fascinating about this, Ricky, is that for the second year in a row, Texas Longhorns Athletic Program won the, the President's Cup, which is in the NCAA, the the honor for the most prestigious uh, the athletic program in the country. Usually for the last 25 years before that, it was Stanford every single year. Cause you know, uh, they just shit excellence, I guess over there. <laughs> and so we want it and we want it back to back years. And it's funny. Cause like our most academically or not academically, though we are a very good academic institution, Texas, our, our best athletic years over the last 15 years have been the last two years 
the football team has been suspect at best. And that's what they're known for. You know, like the college baseball team just went to the world series. The, the softball team's playing in the national championship. Uh, the Texas basketball team finally won a freaking game after seven years in the tournament. The girls went to the sweet 16 elite eight for the second year in a row. Uh, tennis has won championships, golf's won championships. The swimming and diving team is the best in the country. Uh, you have like literally fucking, uh, oh God, what was it like rowing? We didn't have a rowing team that exists within like the school's history. The last two years, we won back-to-back national championships in rowing. Okay. Yet the football team can't get their head out of their ass and start winning games in a shit conference. And it just blows my mind. So that's where I'm at. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think I, I'm optimistic, though, about this year, but especially the next couple of years. Yeah, football was my first love. Like, you know, I played football as a kid. I thought I was your first at. love, to be oh, fair. Well, I'm sorry. That's, you're my yeah. first real love. Damn, real love. damn right. Real love. You know what I mean? Damn Hopefully right. my wife isn't listening. So your wife um, kids. <laughs> Wife, my wife's the what gets me canceled in the space. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Your kids, Dad, I thought you loved it. No, yeah. well, you're not. You're not right. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe one day. <laughs> maybe one day yeah. we'll get there. Yeah. He loves football movies. What else could I not want <laughs> about this guy? <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, so, like, I, when when did you? I mean, are you a volunteer fan? Oh no! I see. So this is my story is funny when it comes to sports. So I I grew up in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm from Pennsylvania. Oh okay. So I'm, but I'm not a Penn State guy. I my sister, oh well that that's good. Yeah, like well, in some way. Like some well, way. <laughs> yeah. My my sister as a, I, you know you have relatives. You're always like you know sibling rivalry type of thing. So I remember as a kid, my sister was a big Penn State fan. We're getting ready to watch the Penn State game. And I was like, you know what? Whoever Penn State's playing this weekend, I'm going to be a fan of theirs for the rest of my life. So I'm a Michigan fan. So um, <laughs> and Payne there you go. is just my middle name. You know, we had a good year this year. You did. Um, a really did. good year. And then, of course, you know, when you face the SEC, um, well, yeah. You know what makes me mad? So let me, this is a good question that <laughs> okay. speaking of football and getting me mad. Okay. So I obviously live in SEC country, um, mm-hmm. you know, being in Tennessee, you have the Vols, you have Vanderbilt, which I don't even understand how they're still a football team. Of course, That's, you got the Alabamas, yeah. the Floridas and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. the, the question is, so when they're, when they, when Alabama or Georgia makes the national championship, these particular schools, rivals mind you are rooting for georgia to win because they're like oh if they win the sec wins see this is my thing i could never root for ohio state or penn state in the national championships because i don't give a shit what it says about my conference fuck ohio state could you like you're in the same boat with me right oklahoma's made the the college national championship um, semis or whatever over the last yeah. couple of years. Yeah. And I've sat there, I've sat there and I went, I hope Joe Burrow throws for 700 touchdowns on those fucking assholes. Exactly. And you know what he did? He threw for 700 <laughs> touchdowns he over did. those fucking assholes. I he am did. never going to root for my rock. Never. I'm never also going to root for Texas a and yeah and on the record ricky they are not right when you beat somebody 75 to 80 percent in a rivalry quote unquote they're not your rival they're not they're not your rival they're not like that's like michigan state in football they're, i mean like your rival is ohio state yeah they're not michigan state wishes yeah that and Michigan was your right. Like beating AM means not as much as beating OU. But for AM, beating us means more than anything in the world. They could lose every fucking game on the planet. But if they beat Texas, it was a successful season. Yeah, what That's 10. why I don't Texas, ever want to play them again. And also, they get to use that 
as a recruiting advantage in that why would you want to go to them? We beat them. That was the thing that AM would say. And here's the thing that would be like, because who wants to go in a place where the only minorities are the ones that are on the field? Uh-oh. You know what I mean? Fact. Who wants to go to a place where their kid is also their sister? You know what I mean? <laughs> like AM is a bad, bad, bad place. Let's just say this. AM, Texas, the University of Texas doesn't have Kyle Rittenhouse wanting to enroll. Let's just say that. That's all you need to know about Texas AM. Okay. When I saw that, I was like, wow, couldn't have found a better pair <laughs> in this world than that. I couldn't have written that script better myself. Right. And so, I mean, Oklahoma, they're, they're a good football player. I think actually right now, and I say this as a, and, I'm, and it's probably going to, jinx myself saying this because every time i say something about my longhorns that might be optimistic it goes the other way on a podcast but it is what it is i think that this right now is the chance for texas to really come back to being the prominent program of of what they used to be because lincoln riley going to usc venables is a very good coach but he's not lincoln riley you have you look at the sec this is uh, legitimately I've had this conversation with, with some people. Nick Saban's not getting any older. Florida's always in an influx. They're either good or they're bad. Uh, Georgia's going to probably be the top dog for a while, but offensively, are you ever scared of Georgia? Uh, no. No. Auburn's a mess. LSU, they got Brian Kelly. It's going to take about five years for them probably be good again, but they're always a mess. Then you got South Carolina. Tennessee, Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt are all just like they wish. <laughs> They're just there so they don't get fined. You have you have Old Miss who's up and down, and Mississippi State who's up and down, even though they have Leach. They should be better than what they are, but they're not. AM is I mean, I'm gonna just say it like it is. AM has had this SEC advantage for such a long time. What have they won? Nothing. They won two games against Alabama. They have not done a single and won one Heisman. They have not that people totally forget this that the Johnny Manziel year, they still lost three games. They didn't yep. go to a title. They didn't win the SEC. The next year they went seven and six. The only reason they and they lost every to every ranked team that year that they played, except Duke in the fucking bowl game. And Duke is a basketball school for Christ's sake. And it came down to the final two minutes of that game. They have not been good. They never will be good because what they're scared of and they should be is the fact that if Texas gets to being good again and they can land guys like Arch Manning. Uh, yeah, that means that they're going to be a premier place in the SEC. One to keep an eye out for is Arkansas because their head coach is actually really good and they overachieved this year. And I think they're going to continue to overachieve in the future if they keep this guy. But like the era of Saban, people don't talk about it. It's, it's going away. Yeah. It's going to be gone within the next three to five years. He's 70 year 70, 71 years old. Why do you think he's getting pissed at AM and all these NIL deals? Why do you think he's getting pissed at that? Because they're it's hurting his last chance to get exactly. It's taking away exactly. that advantage he's had for so many years. You know what I mean? Like he's the, had that advantage. The playing field is about to level in a way that you have no idea. And this coming from the university that has more money than the fucking Vatican. Okay. That's what the University of Texas is known for. They have the deepest pockets ever. They have such deep pockets. They told a head football coach that wants over 70% of their games, one against Georgia at the Sugar Bowl, take a hike, we're going with Sark. That's the kind of money you have. And they were still also in Sark's first year, they were not only paying Herman's salary, they were paying what was ever left over of of Charlie Strong's salary a little bit too. They're paying three coaches. They've got, you have no idea 
what what the SEC is about. The SEC got into the Texas business. That's yeah, what they crazy. want. It's crazy because that business is so big. And Texas A&M didn't do for the SEC what they had hoped they would do for the SEC. That's a big market. No. Like, Texas is a big market for whenever I, I used to. I used to have a podcast where I, I did a lot of the um, college football stuff. We dug deep into the markets and stuff like that. And a lot of that was um, Texas. They have a big recruiting class. I mean, obviously the state's huge. You know what I mean? That's beside the point. But, but you mm-hmm. know, it's massive when it comes to that anyway. But it, it's, it's, it's something that's fascinating for me as a collective whole. Um, all right. So before we go, a couple quick fire questions for you. Um, I'll make them quick. No, so, there'll be 45 minute answers. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, right. what you got? <laughs> um, couple quick. So, top five movies of the year so far. Oh, have they? Do they have to have been released? Uh, you can. It's it's my show. You can do whatever the hell you want to do. Cool, because it's my list. I'll do whatever the hell I want to do. Um, <laughs> uh, Cha Cha Real Smooth is five. Uh, Marcella Shell is four. Oh, <laughs> um, three is the Batman. Two is a documentary called Fire of Love, which I saw out of Sundance. Uh, is an incredible documentary. And then one is After Yang. That would be my five. And I saw the uh, eye roll with Cha Cha Real Smooth, so I, I, I saw that. Oh, I saw you, that. Damn, I thought you. I was hoping you weren't looking yeah. at. Me. Damn. <laughs> it's okay. I'm ready to see Marcel. I, I'm seeing that Wednesday. I think they had this screening the same day as Thor. God, you just really. Um, favorite meal. I hate when they. I hate when they put. Hate when studios. Favorite meal. Oh my god! Favorite meal. Um, it's probably a ribeye steak with a roasted Brussels sprouts with like bacon and blue potatoes, and and then like a cold beverage. What are we having for dessert? Make, yeah. A uh, brownie Sunday with uh with a blue ice because uh, any other item in the world you're you're just kidding yourself. Bluebell's the best ice cream on the planet. It's a Texas. It's thing. Not even close. Bluebell's. Have you had Bluebell ice cream? It's it's incredible. Uh, you, yeah, we have blue. Yeah. You've had Bluebell. Okay, well then yeah, you know. It's, yeah, it's amazing, it's, it's, right? It's the best. It's not even good. Close. Well, some it's people good. don't. Some people don't have it. Some people yeah, don't have, have it, and, yeah, I, have and, I, and I feel sad for them. Yeah, I feel so sad. I. I feel sad. I, when I first moved down here, I got Bluebell, and I thought it was incredible. So, oh, oh. that cookies and cream, oh. the best. You know, so good. Know. So good. But the the best. Top three yeah. ice creams. I was gonna, I wasn't gonna ask this question, but now I have to ask. It's got to be cookies and cream. Mm-hmm. It's got to be cookies and cream. Um, God. Okay, so this one place here in town, this is a very special specialty thing, but what this one place does in town, they do these two flavors that are dynamite. They do a peanut butter and jelly ice cream, and it's like a strawberry jelly. Yeah. Oh, dude, you get the the peanut butter with the straw. Oh, so good. And then they do an apple pie ice cream where they bake an apple pie, and in the vanilla, they, yeah, they mix it all up together, and then they solidify it and everything. Oh, yeah. It's fucking insane. Yeah, it's yeah, it's good. I love a good like variety ice cream, like different kinds of ice cream. Yeah, we have a yeah. Jenny's. I love Jenny's the fact here. that like, yeah, and they have like different. I don't have that all the time, all the time. Like it's they just do random like mixtures. I love having like the randomness because then I never know what I'm going to get that day. As opposed yeah. to, I don't want that, but like I think with ice cream, you can't go wrong. Like with something no. different. So, but yeah, but cookies and cream is a staple. It's a staple. It's a fact of life. It's 100%. It's the reason why I'm fat. Um, <laughs> ice cream will always be the reason why. Um, with that being said, Ryan, thank you for being the, the first guest of the Unknown Untitled podcast. Um, 
I, uh, if you, if we've, we might've had some audio issues, um, cause of, I don't know, it says my internet's unstable. Fuck that blame Tennessee. So, um, but Ryan, um, I'll, I'll, I'll put everything that you can find Ryan's in the bio, the, the whole, or you can find him the Twitter, the, the work and stuff like that. Ryan, you are one of my favorite people in this space that I actually genuinely like, which that list is very yeah. small. So, um, yeah. <laughs> that's fair. Thanks That's for joining fair. me, Ryan. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Ricky. You're you're a great guy. And everybody, please follow Ricky. Read his stuff. Um, watch his stuff. Do it all. He's the he's a good guy. Uh, he's wrong about Elvis, but he's but he's but he's a good guy when it comes to everything else. So um, I love you, buddy. I, uh, yeah, I just want to let everybody know that I did pay Ryan to say that last part. So well, I just wanted that on the air. Yes. Yeah. I can't. I, the Venmo did just come in. So that's. The money, the money's, 